Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Unicast, episode 127. We're back for the 127th time, and this week we are joined by Paul Crowther of The Real Burnouts. How about that? Also this week, we're talking about the Koch brothers. Gross. Donald Trump. Gross. Bitcoin. Gross news of the week. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. The Olive Garden and Mad Mike Hughes. All this and much, much more. We are happy to have you back. It's the Unicast. Oh, yeah. Recording. Let's do it. Let's do it. Dive right in. Dive right in. <laughs> Welcome. We're back. Welcome back, folks. Episode 127 of the Uticast. I am your host, Sam Pamelaro, joined as always uh, by Heather on my left. Heather, how are you? Good. How was your Thanksgiving? Gr- yeah. yeah. I want to say great, but it's just. It's a lackluster Thanksgiving for me, to be honest, oh, as well. Not, didn't feel like, like Thanksgiving. It's, and it's tough for you, and you got to wrangle the kid the whole yeah, time. Yeah, the whole time I'm like, eat your food. Come <laughs> here. I just want to I never got to sit down and eat. I was just chasing kids the whole time. <laughs> uh, well, that's what happens when you become a parent. Yeah, I don't want to be one anymore on Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, Thanksgiving, you want to be taking... <laughs> I want to, like, I want to yeah. eat. <laughs> uh, and, of course, Kevin, hello. Hello. How was your Thanksgiving? My Thanksgiving was very good. I didn't have to do anything until, like, 3 or 4 o'clock, and it was nice to have, like, the first half of the day off. Nobody's eating dinner at, like, 12.30 or trying to... You know, sometimes with Thanksgiving, you squeeze in, like, that satellite dinner for, like, more family to try to see everybody. Extra dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. then you end up getting into, like, weird positions where people are trying to give you gravy mashed potatoes like noon just it'll be a long day so i didn't have to do anything until about four and it was great nice yeah matter of fact it's weird i didn't have a traditional evening thanksgiving this year for a multitude of weird reasons which i won't get mm-hmm. into here or there but suffice to say we didn't have a thanksgiving even though we probably could have in after it was all said and done like once everything shook out like we probably could have had thanksgiving anyway but sure either way we didn't do a traditional thanksgiving so i just kind of chilled on Thanksgiving. I went out early in the morning and had, like, Italian Thanksgiving with my grandfather, which is like regular Thanksgiving, but louder, because you have to yell, because he can't hear nothing. <laughs> Just, what do you think of the turkey? Carm? Carm? Huh? Yeah. I, I have a recording of me and Carmen. I would love to hear that. You know, I'm going to save it for when it's appropriate, but there's a really excellent uh, conversation I recorded of me and Carmen one day that will make it on the show. Um, so... Lots to get into this week. Anything else you guys want to talk about before we jump into some stuff? Mm. Anything on your minds before we get anything? What's on your mind this week, Heather? What have you been thinking about all week? Me? Yeah. Oh, gee. I don't, gee, no. Just getting my Christmas decorations up. Are you, you already started? Yeah, I just started. Is I your didn't tree start up? To, no, I still have to go get one. My mom sent me pictures of her tree today. We were, it's up already. We were just talking before the show that how crazy it is how people read day people after Thanksgiving. Nuts. Well, I mean, you know, a tree's up, the house is decorated the day after Thanksgiving. Can I go to defense on that? Because growing up, that's what I thought you did on the day after Thanksgiving. I don't remember. Like, that. Grow, my mom was, you gotta remember, my mom was like a first grade teacher growing up. So, yeah. like, we were big on, my mom decorated for everything when we were, when I was a little kid, like, yeah. we had Valentine's Day decorations. We had, like, 
we like every sort of fringe holiday. She put like hearts up in the window and heart lights. You know what I mean? Like just crazy stuff. She's cute like that, but you know what I mean? Like Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving, we used to look forward to like getting the Christmas stuff up. Like that was a thing, at least for me growing up, was like something we did. So that doesn't seem as weird to me. It's just weird that everybody posts it and everybody gets so excited about well, it. People love to post. Oh, I mean, God. that's just <laughs> like. It gives people a reason to make, like, man, I don't usually post, but I'm going to post this. I'm looking at Kaz going, I'm so sorry that your mom has not got you a tree yet, or lights, or decorations, or 50,000 lights on the outside of the house, or the perfect ornament. You're, you're just getting him ready for reality, because yeah. life isn't all Christmas and uh, Yuletide joy. Exactly. Having a tough week? <laughs> <laughs> I have been having... That's ha- how you really feel. I have been... You know what I have... Ha- I, I'll tell you the truth. I have been having a tough week. Uh, I've been... I had this whole plan all day, because I was miserable today, today. Because I got paid today, finally. That, okay, so, spoiler alert, the key to all my life, all my problems in life is that I don't make enough money, right? And I know that that's shocking to the world out there because I'm sure that there's no one else who has this problem. But, uh, like, the big crux of my life problems was is, like, that I don't make enough money, right? It's just, this is just the way life is, right? For me right now. <laughs> so, like, I, I got paid today and then immediately watched, like, all of my funds get sent out to things that I've been like, just give me a couple more days. Do you know what I mean? Like, just don't turn my cell phone off. Don't turn the power off. Like, it's fine. It's okay. It's coming. I'm not even going to spend it. Just let me hold the yeah. money. Let me hold the money. For you. Give it to me for two seconds. Yeah. So I've been real down and out about that today. But I have to admit, um, since the day has progressed and I got all amped up and yelled about it when I got home to Kevin, who had to. Unfortunately, sit through my neuroses once again. Nowhere Thanks, near as tough um, or as serious as you make it sound. Just sit there and provide a sounding board. We weren't so bad. Ah, it's fine. Uh, I am actually less angry and depressed than I was this morning. So I actually am quite glad to see both you guys. I'll take full credit for that. You I'll should. I'll take credit because I just showed up. <laughs> uh, I will ask you, though. Did you? So you did no Black Friday. I think I heard you talking about it. Well, the cool thing was is a lot of places you could order online. Mm-hmm. So I wanted this one toy for Kaz, but I didn't want to go get it. So you could order it right online and then go pick it up. That's pretty good. I, didn't, I could, you know, it was like a 6 a.m. deal, but it was, you know, <laughs> you know, there's a funny, I wanted to talk about uh, Black Friday, but real quick, you just made me think of it. Have you heard the story about the Santa Claus in Macy's? No. Okay. No. So Santa Claus in Macy's, like Herald Square, like the big Macy's, okay. the famous one, like, you know, 34th sure, yeah. Street Macy's. Yeah. Apparently it takes so long to see Santa, like to have your kid go in line, take a picture with Santa that you can only go now if you get a reservation. You gotta call. You gotta call ahead and get a reservation to see Santa. What if that's, is going on? If that's not a sure sign that we live in a different world, <laughs> digital True. digital Santa Claus reservations uh, at Macy's. And apparently, there's still a line when you show up, which I think is wild. Oh you know, yeah, because people are probably like, I I don't need a reservation. I'll go I, down yeah, there. So they're waiting. I'll go down there. <laughs> I'll, I'll show you them. Know the time. I'll just I'll talk to Santa. them about it. <laughs> Uh, I did the, actually, we took my, no, I think I was the kid at that time. I, I definitely went to the Macy's Santa thing with my family as a kid, but I don't remember why, because I feel like I was a little too old to care about Santa at that time when I was in New York. Like at Right. Maybe, I think maybe you just do it just to, to do, do the it Macy's when you're thing. a family yeah. and you're still yeah. a young enough kid. And I will say, it's, they do it up all right down there at Macy's. I went to Riverside Mall Yo, when I was little. Riverside Mall. <laughs> I used to go to the mall. They used to have like kid. breakfast with Santa there. I don't, I don't know. It so wasn't quite Macy's, but. My mom has this little booklet of pictures of me every year in a row that I was a kid, and I would get a picture with Santa every year, right? And so you can watch this horrible progression of me getting older every year, sitting on Santa's lap, getting more and more awkward. And I always go through it every year with my niece and nephew, and they're always very confused. They have weird questions. They're like, 
why does Santa have glasses this year and then this year he doesn't? Why does his beard look different? I'm like, because they hired somebody different. And they're like, what does your shirt say bum on it? And I said, no, that was a clothing brand. I wasn't. I wasn't I yeah, that. I'm not. I wasn't a bum. Like that's a real thing. Like, they're like, what is that? What is I bum? I was like, no, that's that was a thing that people wore. It was a clothing. I totally forgot. You remember bum equipment? Yeah, oh yeah, good God. times. Look up bum equipment for all you nineties efficient. No, it's all right. Don't. Uh, you'll find pictures of Heather. You might. Um, yeah, so, yeah, Santa Claus. So, I think that even if you don't do the Santa thing, you should start taking a picture of Kaz every year with Santa, so that when he gets older, oh, you I can will. go back and be like, look at this stupid photo book of all the pictures we took. I'm just going to be traumatized this year if I bring them, so. I feel like, uh, I don't know. I, I got all the way. Life's tough. <laughs> bring them up. Here you go. I remember I was, too, I was too old for Santa the year that I went to the mall with my older sister, Karen, and I got my picture taken with Santa, and she came with me, and Santa made a pass at her. And I was like, all right, I think this is probably not real Santa. This is probably some sleazeball in a suit. I wonder who Santa is. I'd like to, we should interview some mall Santa. Some mall Santa. Do a whole episode. I want to learn more about these people mall playing the mall Santa. Or like if somebody played a mall Santa, even back in the 80s, I'd yeah, like be more interested yeah, to even talk to you. Uh, so today, when you folks are listening to this, it is Cyber Monday. Which uh, you, for people not when you're listening to it, but when we're, when we're recording. recording it, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, did you do any Cyber Monday cybering? Uh, this is the first year I did because I'm not making any money this year. So. Hey, how about it? <laughs> I'm not <laughs> participating in Cyber Monday. <laughs> if you ever okay, so I always try and justify this when I like go to Christmas. I don't know how this turned into like a Christmas episode, but okay. um, well, because it's today, it's after Thanksgiving. Uh, <laughs> I always say every year, like I'm just gonna put like a light limit, like twenty dollars tops for everybody and then I start thinking about it and I'm like wait a minute there's like 30 people in my family like $20 minimum is still like 30 times 20 is definitely a number yeah so now I hate I'm not gonna tell my family with the tier there's a tier system now Let's just say tiered system of money that I'm spending. Everybody's got to grow up and accept that there's got to be a tiered system got to be a tiered system it's just it's the only way that it works um so yeah shout out to all you Christmas shoppers out there good luck uh, with your Cyber Mondaying and everything going forward. I'm going to try and do it all at once. When I get my next paycheck, bam, all at once, done. I'm, I'm going to try to do it all online up. this year. Is my it all online last year. I'm going to try to see if I can get everything done. I just I can't find time to really ever get out and shop. It's the best and way. Christmas shopping is always like a big endeavor of squeezing in between like the slices mm-hmm. and time that you find when you've got other stuff going on. And it'll just be easier if I can do it all from Amazon and the internet. I'm sure inevitably I'll have mm-hmm. to get some stuff. But I'm going to see how much I can do on the internet. Yeah, yeah, very good. We'll talk more about Christmas, I'm sure, as we get farther along. Let's keep moving on. Yeah, yeah, let's move it along. Um, And I know we talked about it last week. I feel like we need to talk about net neutrality just really quickly again. If you haven't already sent messages to the FCC about how much you want them to keep everything in place and not repeal the net neutrality laws, uh, you should do it. And if you have sent one, send another one. Keep sending them. Uh... Your boy, though, your boy, Kev, uh, Ajit Pai. It's, got, not, it's, your it's boy. not my boy. Your boy. <laughs> no uh, friend of mine. There is a petition going out uh, that's up to about 60,000 people as of three days uh, for his uh, resignation. If it gets to 100,000, they have to address it. So In what, a tweet? <laughs> <In> a tweet. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> that's a good point. Um, so, yeah, just keep that in mind as the rest of the world burns around us uh, because I do have some other... I he was happier. Well, I was, but well, the, news is, that the news is still, well, the news is rough today. Uh, so we already talked a lot about stuff today, so I'm going to 
go through this in sort of bit points here uh, because a lot of this stuff is... What stuff? Okay, so we'll start with this. What do you guys know about the Koch brothers? The Koch brothers. Koch brothers. Koch, Koch, Koch brothers. Is that what it is? Yeah, Koch, yeah, yeah. Koch brothers. I feel like I've been hearing their name for like 20 years. Uh, 20, yeah, they, years now. They're, they're two brothers that are you know, some of the richest guys in the world and mm-hmm. spend a lot of money funding um, you know, Republican politicians. And yep, conservative and libertarian policies for years, tens of millions of dollars into campaigns, advocacy yeah. organizations, think tanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is an offer uh, for them to support the Meredith Corporation in buying Time Magazine. That was a big story, too. Oh, yeah, they're going to buy Time Magazine. They now, bought them. They bought them. They did buy them. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. However, there is a claim today that they said their role is going to be a passive one, which I don't buy it. I just like it seems like that's what you would say if you buy a magazine. When you get to, I mean, Time Magazine is a, is a smaller part of the deal that mm-hmm. they're making. So I don't think they're going to go kicking indoors at the Time headquarters and, you know, be like, this is what we're doing now. We're taking over here. Mm. Specifically, you know, once you get in these large companies, there's so many different layers and sides. But you have to think that if somebody like that owns it, inevitably it's going to filter down. If you've got a voice that's disseminated to the public, mm-hmm. the corporate culture is going to eventually take on more of a tone that's reflective of the people at the top of the food chain. Um, uh, there is another Time Magazine story this week that I'm sure you guys <laughs> read about. Uh, and the Koch brothers might have some help in making this a reality. Uh, President Trump, he claims that he uh, was offered this Time Magazine People of the Year award and he rejected it. Uh, Time Magazine claims, nah, that's not really true. <laughs> They're on that quick, too. <laughs> well, I mean, you, really you kind of got to be on no, it quick, right? What a, like, what a brazenly insane thing. <laughs> <to> just, <laughs> like, you know they're going to come back and say something. You just, you're saying stuff at that point. I know. He's just being a jerk. Uh, yeah, this was what it says. that Time Magazine called to say that I was probably going to be named Man Person of the Year, but, I would agree, but I'd have to agree to an interview and major photo shoot and I said, no good, take a pass, thanks anyway. I'm very sure that that's not, that's sure not how that this went down. Happen. I'm going to throw that at you. That's probably not how this went down. Um, but, hey, you know, you talk to his boys, Koch brothers. Make it happen if he really wants to get on there. Just saying. I feel like Time Magazine, this is good news for Time because they're not really super relevant as a thing anymore, right? Like mm-hmm. Time Magazine, well, magazines aren't really super no. relevant, I guess. In no. <laughs> Uh, you know what is super relevant today, apparently, because I've seen all sorts of mainstream coverage about it, is Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, I know you have a little interest. Your husband has an yeah. interest in Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, I have some friends who have interest in it. I'm going to throw this out here for you. This was the mainstream headline that was going around today, okay? In 2016, at this time last year, one unit, or Bitcoin, I assume that's how this works. I'll have one, please. One coin. Uh, was selling for $730. Uh, and today... To quote Kevin's favorite show, Dragon Ball Z, it's way off the charts. It's above nine thousand. How do you even know Dragon Ball Z quotes? You've got them like committed to heart. I'm gonna save it till later. We're gonna talk about oh. that. That's a meme though. Yeah, that's like that's are. a meme now. Is it? Yeah, it's a meme. That's an internet meme now. Are you making that one like right now? No, no, that's a real meme. No, somebody, no, I declare. No, no, some Uticast listener is gonna post the meme on the internet because they know what I'm talking about. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. We're gonna get to that in a minute. I have a Dragon Ball Z segment for you. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Um, wow. So. Uh, yeah, so you're talking, it's an outrageous jump. Uh, they're soaring toward a $10,000 benchmark, which would be the highest it's ever been, obviously. Um, when I was younger, or when I, as I, we had the internet, right? But we didn't really use it to our full advantage, I feel like. Not till it was a little bit too mm-hmm. late. Are we missing our boat on Bitcoin right now as we speak? Did we already miss the boat on Bitcoin? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We already missed the boat on Bitcoin. Oh, it's, yeah, way, yeah. it's way past us now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're done. <laughs> 
you okay. Can't, you can't. Who are you gonna call? Who? Ghostbusters. Who? Yeah, Ghostbusters. <laughs> who are you gonna call to or to order your one Bitcoin? I don't know. That's like, okay. All right. So let me let me put this to you like this, right? I understand the idea that it's digital currency, right? That that makes some semblance of sense to me, right? Okay. Because. Our current economy is based on gold, and there's not enough gold to cover it, so all our money's fake anyway, Our too. current economy is based on gold, wink, wink. <laughs> yeah, wink, wink. <laughs> um, but I guess what my question is, I still don't understand what, like, where it comes, like, the, the U.S. Treasury prints money. Who's printing the Bitcoin? Who's printing. mining the, what are you mining? It's in the cloud. It's in the cloud. <laughs> and every time my husband tries to explain it to me, I'm like, I just, I can't. I can't understand it's it. It's got to be in the cloud. I feel like it's it regular money, though, be. either. So you have to use the Bitcoin through, like, places that accept Bitcoin, correct? Or is that... Well, more and more places. You can, you can find somebody to give you money I for your Bitcoin. Like, well, like, if you had one and Bitcoin and say one to order one Bitcoin, he could give you U.S. dollars. Yeah, I guess yeah. I could. And Where? You, could, and you can <laughs> give him the thumb drive that you're keeping it on. Well, that was the story so we were talking sketchy. about. <laughs> it, is, it feels sketchy, right? But the but internet... It feels like the, you just got to hit it once. But, did, but didn't the internet feel sketchy when they first, like, explained it to you, yeah. right? And you first had to log on with all those weird sound effects and it felt like you were breaking into something? Yeah. Like, everything feels, feels a little greasy in the beginning. I feel like I'm, we missed out on Bitcoin, for sure. I definitely, I'm definitely out on Bitcoin. Uh, speaking of feeling a little bit greasy, I got two gross news stories of the week. Are you ready for them? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're ready. All right. Very good. First news story. Do uh, you guys know who Danny Masterson is? Anyone? I know, Kev, you do. Yeah, Heather, yeah. Do you know who Danny Masterson is? Mm-hmm. Did you ever watch that 70s show? Mm-hmm. He was uh, Hyde. I watched a he was. Of that. Uh, he was. Uh, he the was. The guy who was always wearing oh, sunglasses. Oh, okay, with the curly hair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's been a yeah. lot of there's been a lot of really terrible charges that have come up against Danny Masterson in the last uh, few months uh, about sexual oh, harassment, rape. rape. Yeah. That was him. I wasn't. I didn't know who they were talking yeah. about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know how I feel about Scientology. I'm very fascinated by Scientology. I'm going to use my favorite word to describe fascinated. <laughs> um, uh, Leia Remini uh, from. Kevin Can Wait fame, and also from her A&E show, uh, Scientology in the Aftermath, uh, claims that the Church of Scientology is covering up for Danny Masterson, which is creepy, but also doesn't surprise me, knowing what I know about the Scientology. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) It's creepy, right? I, I, I feel like I don't, I'm not a religious guy, so I don't trust I don't believe that a religious institute has that kind of power. They're not so, really a religion. And it's paying people off to it's true. cover them. It's a cult. It's a quote. It's a cult. It is. Yeah, it's a cult. Dirty cult. Go watch cool. Going Clear. It's awesome. All right, you ready for a second piece of gross news for this week? No. Uh, well, I'm going to get So, Kevin, you told me that this isn't necessarily true because you said Trump didn't say it. Uh, but apparently there's rumors about that Trump... Uh, the remember the famous Access Hollywood video? Mm-hmm. Yeah, doing whatever he wants. Uh, he's now saying that that wasn't him. Of course, not. <laughs> but he didn't say that before when it happened. Uh, is, is, is he saying it's not him, or is he saying so it's Doctor? He, it's it's this is it's important to I guess do the talk about the difference so that it's not the same as you know mm. the. I completely lost my train of thought there because I was trying to make two points at the same time. But basically what I was going to say is there was a report that came out that Mm. said somebody who was a source that was close to him claimed that they overheard Mm. him saying this to somebody months ago. And so when it gets reported as just he's saying this, he's out there saying it, it's important to make the distinction 
that he didn't necessarily go right out and say that, make a tweet about it, say it. They're claiming he said it to somebody, but you can't necessarily ascribe all the value. I don't think he's going out to try to remake that fight. Mm -hmm. And so I suppose best not to put words in his mouth when the things he's doing that are bad are bad enough. Fair point. I feel like it's kind of a non-story. That's fair. I was curious. All right. Well, let's go to this week's interview. But before we do, I want to talk to you about something, Kev. A small Kevin response here. Uh, as I was sitting in the classroom today, talking with a couple of my kids, I'm going through and I'm helping out one of the kids in math and science. One of the girls using a computer, and she's looking up pictures on Google at Google Images, and they are all Dragon Ball Z characters, right? And I'm like, huh? <laughs> so I walked up behind her and I just go, "What is that, Frieza? Cell?" And she goes. <laughs> We know about Frieza and Cell. And then, and then what's crazy about this is, like, I have a guidance counselor, a guy, Mr. Baines, who's a friend of mine. He's a little older than me, and he, like, he's from a totally different, like, background and demographic. He goes, I know about Frieza. And I was like, oh, no. We got, we got Dragon Ball Z conversation in here. So what I've come to the conclusion is, uh, Heather, I showed, you know what Dragon Ball Z is? Heather? I'm familiar. You're familiar with it. Familiar. I showed it to Kevin Last week, for the first time, you said ever you'd never seen it before. I mean, I, other than like seeing the the picture, I know like what yeah, the characters yeah. look like. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? That's about it. And I just thought it was outrageous that like not only am I right that Dragon Ball Z was relevant, it's still apparently relevant, and I wasn't aware that people were still into it. I do not understand. I know you people don't. People are yeah. so wild. All those guys, they're just doing close-ups of people's faces, they move very slowly, and they talk about how they're going to fight at a later date, and there's <laughs> no like yeah. rhyme or reason or discernible like it's course always, of story. Like There's just nothing's happening. It's always just like empty threats. And, like, building up, it's like, good, soon my power will be strong enough to destroy the planet, Goku. Like, and then it's like, when? three episodes. It's like, when, buddy? When? 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 when is it going to happen? Do it already, then. I don't uh, get it. It's and, and so many people like it, so I must be missing something. But I don't, I can't for the life of me figure it out. Uh, so, <laughs> before we go to this week's interview, uh, Mr. Maiden Utica, Justin Parkinson, came scurrying in here like a rat to hand me a piece of paper that says, can you do a read, a live read for an event for Maiden Utica? So I'm going to do a live read. You want to do it instead? Do you want to no, read it? You. No, you want to do it? Uh, I don't think this week's episode is brought to us by Stage Time Trivia, because I haven't seen any money. Maybe Mr. Parkinson <laughs> did. Uh, but uh, Stage Time Trivia, we've been promoting them again. They're back on the Maiden Utica platforms, apparently, it seems like. They're on our calendar. So check out maidenutica.com slash trivia for the full schedule for Stage Time Trivia. Uh, it's free to play. Uh, great prizes. Multiple locations. Uh, hilarious comedian hosts, including many of our friends like uh, Will Phillips, Phil Farda, etc. Uh, and, of course, check out their winter comedy uh, uh, services uh, coming up soon. So there you go. There's it was your... pretty good for on the fly off yeah. that filthy envelope. Yeah, it, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't just a piece of paper. It was an envelope. I saw him in the invitation came in. I something. saw him in the kitchen scrambling, is like writing down like a like a madman. I'm like, oh, what's he doing? What's he doing in there? All right. So uh, let's go to this week's interview. Uh, a man who I actually he, Paul's an interesting cat. I knew Paul from the way he looked. And that he was in a band, but I never put his name and face together. You ever a person mm. like that? You just know yeah, him yeah. from around places? You know a name and you know a face, but sometimes you don't put the two together. Yeah. Exactly what you mean. Oh, that's that guy? That's that guy. That's, oh, that's who that is? Uh, at the downtown get-down, the second annual downtown get-down when the burnouts played, uh, that was my moment for him to where I go, oh, you're that guy. <laughs> uh, and ever since then, I've been trying to get him in the studio for an interview. It took us, uh, Jesus, three months <laughs> since then. 
It was not an easy, uh, it was not easy getting him in, but I'm very glad we did. So let's get to our interview with the real burnouts. All over. I think I introduced you like this on the intro before you came in, mm-hmm. was you are the person, you're one of these people. <laughs> Does that make you feel like you're, I'm a person, you're, yes. You're one of these people who I, I feel like I've seen you around for years here. And I knew you as the guy from the burnouts, and yeah. I knew you as this guy from all these venues that we shared in terms of either being in bands or going to these places. We ran around like the same sort of circle. Mm-hmm. And then I knew that there was a guy in the internet that I was friends with named Paul Crowther. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't, I never actually put two and two together that we knew each other and you were the person I thought you were until the downtown get down, which is the first time I talked wow. to you about coming onto the show. Yes. That was the first time I was like, no shit. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I, I finally put it together. Yeah. Um, and now you're telling me that we worked at Schnatchery's together when we were kids and I, you worked at Dan Delachey's. I did. Yeah. 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 For many, many years. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That was my first non paper route job. My first, not like the one I actually had to go into where I was not good. Yeah, nobody wanted to go in there. No, um, but it was a lot more fun then than it is now, though. I will say that's fair. So, you're st- are you still hanging there now? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> yeah, just, so you're still hanging out the, the stock boys. Just the, yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Well, listen, uh, Paul, it's a pleasure <laughs> to have you here on the show. I know it took us a little bit of time to get you in, but it's a real Cheers, pleasure, brother. Ah, salute. Hey, congratulations! You just bought a new. Are you getting a new house? You're moving. I'm trying to, but trying. they don't make it easy, apparently. No, no, dude. Mm. Oh, too much alcohol. Um, are, you, are you looking around this area? Yeah, yeah. Same Utica? Yeah, I like uh, South Utica a lot. It's uh, I grew up in South Utica, so... Well, that's a great place to start. I was going to ask you, you are born and raised Utica, correct? Yes. Mm. Yes, never left. Never left at all? Never no. spent any time outside of the city? Not really. I had a different... I liked Utica for different reasons, though, than I like it for now. Sure. Um, I liked it then because nobody cared about anything. It's a great point. It was a it was a, a void. Um, is that a reason to like someplace? I don't know, but it just seems like I you're mean, always not not a reason to like something. Well, it seems like if you go someplace else, you're in some type of rat race for something, and it just never felt like that here. I mean, you have an interesting pos- position compared to me because I don't. We're gonna get into the music stuff in a little bit. And it took me a long time to sort of realize that you guys, the Real Burnouts, were playing music even before I left for New York in 2008. Yeah. You guys were probably playing some of the same venues that me and Kevin were playing when we were playing back in like 04. Remember when there was venues to play? Dude, we're going to get to that in a minute. <laughs> but I'm saying like, uh, I guess what I'm saying is like you, st- but I had a period of time where I was gone. Yeah. So you got you've been playing music in the city since before I left. When me and Kevin were playing, and you never left, and you've been playing straight through. That's in, it's crazy impressive to me. Probably I don't know, like two thousand four or five. Yeah, but wild to me, man. The Burnout albums go back to nineteen ninety eight. That's when I that's started crazy recording. Too. Yeah. So were you? Are you the guy? 
If you want to, if I hate to put, yeah. I don't want to put any pressure on the Unfortunately, guys. yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, I am. But it's like, I usually write all the songs myself and then bring yeah. it to the band and then we, you, oh, yeah. we, we flesh it out. Not in the recordings. Usually the record, well, prior recordings was, was just me and then I brought the band in to, yeah. to do some other stuff, but. All right, well, listen, Paul, before we get into that, I want, I have some background questions I want to ask you. Mm-hmm. So you're a Utica mm-hmm. guy. You grew up in Utica. Correct. You went to, uh, I'm going to you went to Proctor then? Yes, I did. All right, so I was a Proctor guy as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always have people come on here, wherever school they went to. I have them address what their thoughts were. Growing up at Proctor, I was a 2004 graduate. I'm not going to ask you to date yourself. <laughs> um, 19. <laughs> did you? Uh, do you feel like Proctor? I, I say always said no, but do you feel like Proctor got a reputation it didn't deserve? Do you feel like? Did you like the Proctor reputation that we had when we were there? Um, I sort of bought into it. I was it. so not a part of that at not all. Not really, huh? No. Not into it? I, I, I hated high school with a passion, hmm. and I actually doubled up and did my junior year yeah, and senior year my same year because <laughs> I hated it so much. <laughs> and then I took a year off to, like, I'm going to find myself. And it was mm-hmm. like I took a year to, like, t- taking acid and mushrooms and stuff like that. And it was like, ah, oh, it wasn't a good idea. No, I didn't learn anything. <laughs> but uh, still never found myself either. But... Um, <laughs> So that's interesting because I always, I've had a lot of people on here who loved Proctor, but I always, I knew, even when I was at Proctor, that it, not everyone liked being a Proctor. No, <laughs> you know no, I, mean? like I it, didn't. I, I was, I was like, you know, one of those, it was like a hippie freak uh, type of kids back were you then. Hippie? Were you a, because a it, crust kid? <laughs> well, it was weird because it was like, it, it, I was in a group that was basically called the Freaks, and mm. it was like, uh, there wasn't enough kids to be hippies to have a hippie group, or enough kids right. to be the uh, trench coat mafia kids, so it's like right, they all right. just kind of hung out together, basically, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it was a very weird time period to to be growing up in, but that's my main recollection of high school, is, is that were, type of vibe. Were you, you were playing back then, too? Were you um, playing any instruments? Yes, I, I was. I, that's when I was only playing drums. In uh, well, I played drums at two bands, and that was uh, Bernard's Freak Star and Trash Can Acid. Those Trash were, Can Acid, yeah, band name. Yeah, that's <laughs> Bernard's Freak Star. He has some good band names. That, that was <laughs> that would probably be the the one band you would remember because uh, Trash Can Acid because we played out so many different places here, like uh, the Fa Fest. Uh, we played at Munson Williams. Mm. Um, did you have like a a home base growing up when you were playing music? Like, what venue did you feel like was your your? I'm assuming that you get as time goes on the road was probably the Dev when Tim was there. Uh, maybe I'm taking a shot in the dark. I, I would I would say um, not that that isn't true, but I would say just as in terms of an environment, the Electric Company was more of our company, yeah. our our home place uh, back then. Um, but it's so many things in life have changed that it's just like the Dev. I mean, how can I say this? Music used to be a lot more fun when you were younger. Yes. You know well, what I mean? So, dude, it's a great segue because, all right, so I work in the education department. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of kids, middle school kids, high school kids, in the age that I was in when I started playing in bands. Because I, I was playing in bands in high school. Mm-hmm. I do not see it. I don't know if I'm not noticing it. I don't know if I'm just blind to the fact that kids do stuff in their free time, but I do not see kids playing guitar learning drums or being in bands as much anymore and I don't know if that's just a sign of the times well um is there less there's more to do now I suppose I think that I definitely see it but I think the thing would that would surprise you is the fact that um I mean again back when when I was in high school it's like you know kind of the the tail end of the grunge Mm. thing and people were like yeah I'm gonna 
I'm going to learn how to play the guitar, and then you learned how to play your shitty three yeah. chords, and <laughs> yeah, hey, I think we're hey, pretty good, hey. you know? But <laughs> come on, come on, hey, come on, killing me here. You're preaching to the choir. You're killing too, me here, but, guy. <laughs> but flash forward to, you know, now it would be the kid that you wouldn't even think played anything, and he's like a virtuoso because yeah. all you do is you go on YouTube and there's your tutorial. It's just you different. Know, there's, now. Yeah, exactly. Well, I also think, too, I say this in a couple different ways over the years. I don't think that people listen to music the way they did back then. No, right? like there's, absolutely not. There's way more options at all times. Back then, and even in our age when the internet was coming around, like. I, when a big album came out, everyone was still kind of listening to it. Like, yeah. I remember in high school, everyone was listening to the same albums in their car. Yep. I don't see that happening anymore because no one listens to anything besides what's on uh, YouTube. People won't even listen to a whole, a whole album anymore. No. I no. just want the songs that I want now. And it's like, oh, what a weird thing that is. I like that too. Like, I'll download a new album. I'm like, oh, I can't wait. I got this new My Morning Jacket album. I'm so excited. And then I'll be like, ah, it's going to take me like a month to sit down and listen to all this because when am I going to find like two hours of unincorporated right. time in my life? Like, right. Mm. Yes, excellent work, Jim James. Yeah, yeah wonderful. Let <laughs> I me mean, sit here and... Yeah, it's, it, I think that's it gets tougher as you get older a little bit, too. But I just don't see the drive. Like, when I was growing up, there was a lot of dudes in bands, I felt like. There was a lot more bands around here. Yeah, oh. I, I think, you know, another part of that, too, is that, like, especially in Utica, too, that a lot of um, parents were musicians, and yes. they passed it on to their kids. Yeah. That, I will admit, I see less of. Yes, Of parents sure. who, who, are, who are pushing it on their kids. Um but of course, those were the kids that had like the awesome equipment. You know what I mean? Oh, I yes. had the '60s Ludwig yes. drum set, and uh, my stupid dad makes me play it. You know what I mean? It's like, ah, <laughs> oh, <kid. laughs> yeah, <laughs> stupid, stupid Les Paul. It's so dumb. Uh, wish I had a Squire. I'm like, oh, okay, kid, nerd. Uh, yeah, I didn't have. Yeah, I was like one of those kids who had to sell a guitar to get a new guitar. I never yeah. had lots of guitars. Yeah. So let me ask you this: uh, When did the burnouts, as you would? As they are today, sort of start. When would you think the formation date for the idea of the burnouts? You said '90s was like when well, you started doing the thing. Yeah, and that was like really like home recorded stuff. That mm-hmm. was, uh, it was done even because I, I like to do things the most difficult way possible. It was done sure. even before um, analog four tracks came oh, into my life. So it was like I basically took a tape, ran it through a mixer, recorded on another tape, and then. <laughs> <laughs> flip the tapes basically and that's how I was doing my multi-track stuff um which I asked myself why why did I ever do that but um <laughs> so yeah I just started like recording these like 30 song albums um and then it just got to the point where it was like you know what you know I think now would be a good time to like have a live band and you know so you know I asked a couple of friends to like you know get together and do it and that's kind of what happened well I I really enjoyed uh, watching you guys specifically at that downtown show mm-hmm. and what although I felt like it probably wasn't the audience necessarily for you guys like uh, there's a lot of little kids out there yeah and they were jamming along to it but I was like I don't think they're getting his jokes I was like yeah. I don't think they're yeah. getting yeah. his man yeah uh, I did pretty good too that was biting my tongue the whole you, time you did better I, than I, I, did, I, I did slip up in the end I though. could tell that you wanted yeah. to say some stuff <laughs> Uh, no, I, I actually really like your sound, though, and that's a, it's like an old man. Really like your sound, yeah, Matt, and a yeah. great sound. Uh, yeah. When I was looking at your website and the Facebook, you guys call it psychedelic. Is your genre? Is what would you? I, I, it almost has some indie vibes to me as well, like like that '90s indie, yeah, sort of like built to spill pave mini background guitars, yeah. But it, I can see the psychedelic ends too, like. Um, I think that it really comes down to more of. Uh... Uh, the live sound is more psychedelic than the recordings are. Sure. Um, just obviously from jamming and it's stuff tough. like that. But It's tough to do, though, to get that transition across. I've had a hard time. Yeah. I mean, but really in the end, because I've had a lot of people ask me, where, and, and 
I mean, the, the classic example, too, is that, like, you know, you guys sound a lot like Ween. And it's like... Ween. I've never uh. listened to them before. I've never... I mean, here uh. and there, I've listened to some stuff, and people have played me stuff, and I was like, ah, I, I can kind of hear what you're saying, but it's... I'll say this. I've listened to enough Ween where I can go, okay, sorta. Mm-hmm. Although, I, I gotta say, and I don't know if it was the set you guys played, you guys reminded me a lot... Uh, more, I, I hate to pick like bands. It's a shitty yeah, thing to do. To I know, somebody. I know, I know what you mean. Uh, but no, you struck me more in that sort of, like that really nice sort of crisp like guitar tone that you get in like a built spiller pavement record. Like, and I, yeah. I, I, I love pavement, so I mean that as a comment. I don't know how you feel yeah. about that, but uh, well, I'll, I'll say that, that I mean I think that kind of goes back to like the original recordings too. Of course, you know uh, Jay Schnitz in the band. He's great, by the way. Yeah, and he's doesn't got get enough credit. No, absolutely. No, he does not. Uh, but you know he's got a hundred million pedals, and oh, yeah. you know so he can really pedals. take a simple sound and, and make it huge. Hmm. Um, but really. Uh, Going back to the original recordings, it was like I just used to plug a guitar straight in, you know. Yeah. And and for me, it was like, yeah, that's what you do. But my friends were like, that's weird. People don't do that. Mm. Like you have to have distortion and you have to have volume and you have to. And I was like, I don't know anything about that. So I just <laughs> this is what I'm doing. So maybe that's where that translation comes from. I guess. How much but, equipment do you own now? You think you got a lot of equipment now as you get older? Still so rocking things. Less way, equipment. Way less yeah. than we did before. Um, Sickians, I have a hard time selling stuff. Yeah. Like, I, I even if I don't use it anymore, I'm like, eh. Yeah. Well, even back in the day, I mean, I remember playing shows at the electric company, and it's like, um, you know, I, I got the trunk open, and I'm like throwing my drums. I don't have cases. I don't have anything. I'm just throwing my drums in the trunk, and somebody's like, wow, man, I really like your drum sound. What do you use? And it's like, I don't even know what this drum set even is. It was like the 300-hour Big Apple mm-hmm. drum set from <laughs> five years ago. You know what I mean? So... But it's perception, I get. I'm not a gearhead at all. See, that's always that always weirded me out. I remember I was in, living in Brooklyn, and I went to see this band uh, with a friend of mine. They weren't super famous at the time. They're, they're still not super famous, but they got kind of like more popular. called Dive, D-I-I-V. Anyway, whatever doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, they were playing a set, and the guitar player was playing this really beautiful Fender Jaguar. And I, I like Fender Jaguars. I, I am enough of a good... I'm like, I know, I know that guitar. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, I went outside to smoke a cigarette with a friend of mine after their set, and mm-hmm. lo and behold, this guy's out there with his girlfriend. And I was that guy, and I went over, and I was like, hey, man, it's a really nice guitar. Is that, like a, is that a Jaguar or a Jazzmaster? And he looked at me, and he's like, I don't know, I got it off the shelf. And I was like, ugh, you, you just ruined this whole thing for me. And I was like, damn it. I'm hoping, I thought this would be our moment to talk. And he just shot me right down, and I was like, yeah. oh, thanks a lot. We had, we had this old practice space on Henry Street downtown, mm. and, uh, it was just loaded from top to bottom with empty beer bottles and <laughs> just the <laughs> shittiest music equipment you could possibly imagine. Oh, yeah. But in those days, it was different, too, because you could go out on a garbage night and, like, there's an organ in the garbage. And, I mean, it's before eBay. It was <laughs> yeah, before yeah, Craigslist. Yeah. It was, you know, uh, so it was just like, oh, there's a there's a whole drum set somebody's throwing out. And it's like, we just picked up so much stuff. You can definitely tell a little something by a person about the gear they play, a musician particularly. Mm-hmm. I always think about, like, my guitar player friend Nick at the time had, like, two tube heads, and he also had the case that went around it that would, it was always in. Like, he never took it out of it. Like, he yeah. had the traveling case. Yeah. And I played, like, my buddy's tube head yeah, that I yeah. borrowed. I'm like, let me borrow this tube yeah. head because exactly. I don't have it. You know I, mean? Those... I think it goes a long way to tell you what you have and don't have, right? Yeah. Well, well, I, re- I remember before somebody said to me, too, it's like, uh, what kind of amps you guys use? And it was like, the ones that work. Loud ones. Yeah. <laughs> Loud that's that's all that we had. I don't know enough about, like, I, I know brand names, but I don't know, like, the distinction. I'm like, well, it's a Marshall. It must be yeah, nice. Yeah. I don't know. I just, 
This orange one looks very cool. Yeah. Casio? Is yeah. It? Oh, Casio. <laughs> okay, the only, the only brand that I'm really... I, I, buy, I ride or die for brands, but with music, uh, I got into a real uh, kick with Moog synthesizers. Uh, That's yeah. the one brand name where I'm like, is it a Moog synthesizer? Yeah, yeah. Is it a Korg? Yeah. I don't care if it's a Korg. Yeah. Give me a Moog. Yeah. Those category all of their own. Yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you this question about uh, Electric Company, because I think about Electric Company... The, there's about three venues, I think, of for me that were here and were important to me growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Captain Trips on Genesee Street was very important to me because I was a South Utica kid and it was the first venue that I ever saw a live show. So it was important. Wow, that's me. weird because you must have caught that at a weird time. It was Amnesia <laughs> by the time. Oh, right? okay. Yeah, it was, okay. It so that was... But no one was calling it that, right? Right, right. That was still a big deal for me. I was like 15, 16, doing like the Blink-182 punk rock type thing. Yep. And we couldn't play anywhere. Right. And playing at Trips even though they were charging like $10 at the <laughs> yeah, door yeah. and none of my friends could come in, yeah. like, it still meant something to us. Oh, definitely. Uh, and then Electric Company, because it was just the only place that had, like, a culture of good music. Yeah. And then uh, Robin, who owns the tram, she used to own mm-hmm. a place called Virgo Bat and Leo mm-hmm. Prague's Coffee House, mm-hmm. which was in Bag Square before Bag Square was, was yeah, what played, it is today. <clears throat> we played some shows there before. Um as the fucking flame is the noise band. Yeah. yeah. And, and I and I think about those venues and I think it's a shame that there aren't places anymore that really allow like young original musicians to have that free time. And and not and even those places weren't always good about it. Right. It's, it's gotta be disheartening for like musicians today, to a certain extent around here. Well, I mean I I definitely think around here, but uh, you know, I don't know, kinda the whole world just seems to be like it's a different place now where, you know, oh. before it was like, I want to be an actor. I'm going to move to Hollywood. I want to be a musician. I'm going to move right. to New York City. And it's like yeah. the, it, the world just is not like that anymore. Well, you, you bring up a good point. You've been doing self-recording since 1997, like, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. It's so easy to do self-recording now in a way that it wasn't even compatible as in thought yeah. of 20 years ago. Like, it's... So much easier. You mean now. you have more than four tracks? As many as you want, <laughs> like a million tracks, right? Uh, and it sounds like it was recorded in Abbey Road in the end. Right? Yes, I know. And that's I, I felt like we fell in our band specifically, this, the band, the Blueprint slash Coercion, whatever version you saw mm-hmm. of it. We fell in that trap. Mm-hmm. We were in the. We still believe that if we wanted a record, we had to go to a studio and pay money for it. Yeah, we were like three years behind. When like Garage Band became a thing, when yeah, yep. Ableton was available, we definitely fell into that trap, and I'm sure that we weren't the only group of people who fell in that sort of weird time frame. Like I wish I had known better, right? I mean, right. Hadn't wasted all my money on that stu- right. Fuck the Black Dog Studio in Rochester. I'm gonna throw that out there right yeah, now. Uh, Bunch wow. of jerks. Ouch. Yeah, um, that's right. Nah, he can get it. It's fine. I don't care. I'm still mad at that guy. Go ahead. <laughs> I'll the commercial for. Uh, no. um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I just I never bought into it because. Um, and maybe it's easier for me to say because my stuff isn't marketable per se. Mm. I mean, especially the older stuff is yeah. just like, I mean, it's like, you know, I, uh, ironically, I'll say Captain Beefheart going yeah. in and demanding a record contract, but he did get a recording <laughs> contract. But so I don't know, maybe it's my lack of effort or something in, in that. But um, also the, 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 my, my music philosophy was always kind of like, I'd rather have like 50 songs on an album but each song is like a minute and a half long. Mm. And if you don't like it, then you can skip it. But if you do like it, you can listen to it on repeat. So that's why my songs are like verse one, chorus, repeat verse one, chorus, end. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> you know, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let me ask you this question before we get into some fun stuff I have set up for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Was there like a specific musician that you go back to, or a specific moment where you were like, "Yes, I like mu- like music is important to me." Like, what was what's one of the earlier like music like uh, moments that you feel like you go back to is defining for you? Well, I would say that um, I'm still fascinated by them, even though it's the exact wrong answer to this question, I guess. But it was like I always loved the Monkees. I thought Monkees, really, were my absolute favorite huh. band. Yeah, interesting. And of course, they never played their own instruments. They barely wrote their own songs. Um, but at the same time, you know, it was really this group of the best songwriters in the world competing against the Beatles. Who were real True. people? Yeah, <laughs> and two real people, yeah. and well. you know, and Ringo. Just and <laughs> well, I mean, in terms of songwriting, but oh, yeah. uh, it's just it's amazing to me, and it's like I really think that like, um, well, it is it is funny actually because the Monkees album Headquarters came out uh, and went to number one, and then like a week later, Sgt. Pepper's went out, and it's like oh, it's the end of that. But it was like oh, it was so See, close. You know? I'm a big Harry Nilsson guy, and oh, he okay. wrote the song Cuddly, Cuddly Toy, Toy, which. Yeah. Yeah, Harry, I love Harry Nilsson, and if you ever seen the documentary they did about him, yeah, oh yeah, awesome, so yeah. good. I, I always, it's so perfect that every like popular song that he gave that he had was either like he sang whatever that famous song was, and he didn't write it, and then he gave away all of his famous yeah, songs yeah, like yeah. Three Dog Night, and all yeah. that. it's just it's the way it worked. But uh, he also has a song on the new Monkeys album actually just came really? out last year, huh. two years ago. I, There's I, a lot of good songs in there. Rivers Cuomo wrote some songs, uh, wrote a song on there. Man. Good stuff on there. I feel like we could have like a 20-minute conversation yeah. about Rivers Cuomo specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the first two Weezer albums were like hugely formulative for me at a certain age. Mm-hmm. And now it's very frustrating. Not those first two. Those first two were so great. Yeah. But he, Weezer in general kind of frustrates me now when I listen to them. I'm like, ah, I, I know what you did before. I, I don't want you to rehash what yeah. you did before, yeah. but I don't know if I want this. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't... That's the same with any artist that you fall in love with, you know, and they <laughs> they come and stab you in the back. It's like the new Beck album is one of those examples, too, where it's like people are all yeah. like, doesn't even sound like Beck, and it's like... Is it weird? I, I still s- think it's a masterpiece. I, I think Beck is a genius, yeah. but I sold off Beck when I found out that he loves Scientology. Is that weird that I like hold it against him? Like, I can't I can't get past it? Um, Maybe. I it's don't a little know. weird. It's maybe it's weird. That I, I don't know. Well, in these times, it's also weird too that it's like, do you still like someone even though they groped somebody? It's a weird time. It's, every, it's a weird we time. Question everything. Yeah, now. yeah. Right. I do. I'm, I'm a big brand new fan, and like that's like the dude from Brand New got called out for something, and that's like a big conversation. Yeah, had. it's like. I mean, you go back and listen to all these lyrics, and they're all kind of yeah, cheesy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Although I think that any pop, uh, any punk band that got famous in that mid 2000s era where the internet was new was probably getting hit for some weird stuff people were just like what the internet I can get naked in front of this camera this is happening which is odd though because it was like you would think that somebody like Marilyn Manson would be the first one to get nailed with something like that no 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 it's too easy he was cool he was cool he's too he's probably very (laughs) polite to him I bet you he's very like friendly Um, so we're gonna play a game that I played with my good friend uh, Tim Schramm from the Dead Blast oh I remember him yeah Yeah, he's a nice guy I've known him my whole life almost practically I'm gonna give you some bands uh, oh, because boy. you are obviously cooler than me. So I'm going to give you oh. some, some bands that I like or appreciate, and you are going to tell me if they are good or if they are shit. Are or you, if I don't even know who they are you, at all, uh, you, which most is a, of these m- likely possible. You'll know most of these. Okay. All right, let's start off with an easy one. Okay. Radiohead. Never got into them. Never got into them. No, it was... Uh, oh, am I just supposed to say... Nothing, Matt. You can give uh, me a little liner on them. I always thought the weirdest thing about them is that like they had like these beats in their songs, mm. and I could never get into it. I could never find the loop. I could never find the... It's hard. It's, it's you know, so it's just like, wow, this sounds like it's challenging to listen to. Like, it's like... I'm like it listening to like a math equation or something. Radiohead is one of those bands that... It, 
it creates broad, like, you either really, really like them or you're not into it at all. Yeah. And I don't know a lot of people who, like, are sort of like, yeah, they're fine. Yeah. You know I mean, like, yeah. it's, uh, yeah. But I, I don't, I don't dislike them. No. I'll put it to you that way. I just, it's not for me. You're a psychedelic guy, apparently. What about Pink Floyd? What are your thoughts on Floyd? Oh, boy. You're hitting them where it, where it hurts now. Um... I do like Pink Floyd. I was I was one of the guys for a long time that was like, if it's not Sid Barrett, I hate it. Oh, um, so I'm over that slightly now. Slightly now, but uh, <laughs> shout out to my uh, friend Adam Goldstein. You just made his day. <laughs> Go ahead, I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. Continue. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that's that was one of my huge influences. Would be Sid Barrett, actually, just such a fascinating person, and to just. To be that famous and then to just walk away from all of it for whatever reason, for mental illness, yeah. for for whatever, is just uh, it's amazing to me. But how about Blink One Eighty Two? Never really got into them. Although I will tell you something, uh, an ex girlfriend used to listen to them a lot, and there was one song that I was like, ah, you know, this is pretty good. And I went and I tried to like find that song on YouTube, yeah. and, and I, I couldn't <laughs> find it. So maybe. I'm your guy for that. I don't want to love it. All right. Uh, how about Hall and Oates? What are your thoughts on Hall and or Oates? You can make opinions on. One I can. I, no, I can. I can. I can dig that. I can. I can dig Hall and Oates. <laughs> Hall and Oates had like a career. Right? I feel like people like Hall and Oates again now. Like, yeah. It's hard to not like it. It's funky enough. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. It seems like they just stuck around long enough to come back in again, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? What about is, James Taylor. I like James Taylor. Actually, there's a uh, there's this uh, live set that he did. Mm. Sometime in the seventies, I can't think of what it was. Oh, it's got steamroll on it, right? It was just just him performing solo well, in like I, I thought it was a BBC great, on his yeah. greatest hits album. There's a live version of Steamroller, which is a great song, yeah, and a great live track, and that's what I always what I think of when I think of James Taylor. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but that that one particular show though, I can't think mm. of what it was called, but it, bl- it absolutely blew me away. If you want a good deep dive, go on, uh, go watch the SNL from the early season of Saturday Night Live when uh-huh. he hosted the show because he no is kidding. Well, he was one of the hosts. Stone out of his mind the whole you can see he can barely open his eyes you're like man James yeah you couldn't pull it together for like an hour on a Saturday night like no apparently not uh, all right <laughs> the Smashing Pumpkins oh boy that's a weak that's a weak spot for me really um, yeah because mm. I, I I loved uh, uh, it really started with Cherub Rock Cherub Rock is that the was, best that was like the one the song on the, and oh. then and then it went backwards where it was like oh I got into Gish. Well, not that there was too much to go backward from at that point. I feel like Siamese Dream is not talked about. That album yeah. is not talked about in the same way that like Melancholy and Infinite Sadness mm-hmm. is. And I think that I like that album better. I think Siamese Dream is if I have if I'm riding or dying with one Smashing Pumpkins, I'm taking that one. It's got yeah. Sarah Brock and Today and yeah. it's great. Or, I'm sorry, Today and uh, Disarm, which yeah. I like a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's 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 really good songs on that, and mm-hmm. and it just, I don't know, it just something about that like just gripped me at the right time. Um, but there were so many bands like that that could do that at that time period. You know what I mean? Maybe it's an, an age thing where, I don't know, it just seemed to be something in a bottle going on where it's like you could turn on K-Rock and be like, wow, there's I can't believe they're playing Beck right now on K-Rock. But it's just... You still hear Beck. You, you still hear Loser everywhere, though. You well, still know it, too, by the they're way. They're still, still playing yeah. those same free songs they played <laughs> 20 years ago. <laughs> All right, uh, I think that's pretty good. Let's move on to the lightning round to finish up. Uh, Absolutely. Where's the website for the Real Burnouts if people want to check it out? Uh, you can go to therealburnouts.com. Mm. Oh, before we get that, can we talk about this book that you brought in? Oh, the, yes. Yeah, I want to talk about this book. Because yeah. you sent me a link to the unofficial biography of the Real yeah. Burnouts 
which was an Amazon page you sent me, yeah. and I thought it was a prank. And yeah. now what you have in front of you is a hard copy of this book, yeah. and yeah. I'm flabbergasted by how big it is yeah. and I, that it exists. So I, please, go, go I, on. I get very... I see everybody thinks everything I do is a hoax, but um, <laughs> this was actually goes back to... Um, uh, during challenging times, uh, we were recording Analog at Henry Street, mm-hmm. and then... We had a record label uh, called Cozy Home Records, mm-hmm. and it was like people would just kind of, it turned into like a more digital thing at some point, but people would actually submit tapes and stuff like that for a while. But I stumbled across this guy who had a band called The Wheelies, and his name was Stephen Small. Mm-hmm. And we just, he's from Scotland, so we just uh, developed this relationship, and we ended up, uh, the Utica Collective recorded with him and sent him stuff. We recorded this album all through the internet, and it was mm. just terrible. It was it was a fatal flop because we did it with MP3s because we didn't know what we were doing. Right, so right, right. the end quality is like, wow, <laughs> yeah. that sounds worse than an audio tape yeah, yeah, does yeah. in the end. But um, pressed, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we we uh, but we forged a friendship from that, and uh, so th- but throughout the years we've kept in touch, and and it was like maybe. I don't know, four months ago, five months ago, he was like, oh, hey, I want to ask you a question. Um, would you, I wrote a book, mm. and uh, it's about you guys. You guys are in it. So would you mind if I use your names in yeah. the book? And I was yeah. like, this is coming out of nowhere, basically. Yeah, so I was like, okay, yeah, cool. And then, so I stumbled across it months later. He never told me it came out. Mm. Never didn't, didn't mention anything sure yeah, yeah, you're talking, yeah. <laughs> so so it's 700 pages long and uh and uh it's uh, it's pretty confusing i've got to say but if you want the real history of the real burnouts then you'll have to tear into this book and and figure it out for yourself because it's man i just opened to <laughs> i just opened to like a random page i feel like i need to start from the beginning this is something else go to go to amazon.com folks type in an unofficial biography of the real burnouts. This is very impressive to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm it's very incredible. I'm yeah, blown away by this. Yeah, me too. Uh, Paul, thank you so much. Let's yeah. get into these lightning round questions. Let's these do it. are the same five or six questions we've asked everybody who's been on the show uh, for the last sixty or some odd episodes. We will start with this, Paul. When you wake up in the morning, how do you take your coffee? Don't drink coffee. No coffee. What do you no. drink in the morning? Nothing. Water, milk, tea? water. Yeah. Sometimes I plug the old ivy in for a little while. Smoke, you know? A little ivy action, good. <laughs> I'm too lazy to drink something during the day. That's fine. It's fine. Uh, so, uh, what was your first automobile? Oh boy, um, what was the year? I believe it would be a '91 Mitsubishi Mirage. Ooh, a Mirage. Yeah. Is that the SUV or is that the coupe? It's. It, a coupe. <laughs> I don't. It had four wheels and an engine. <laughs> well, it wasn't a truck, though, right? Yeah, no, yeah, it was yeah. not. It was not a truck. Yeah. You may or may not have taken your Mitsubishi Mirage to see it, but what was your first live music event? Oh boy. Um. Well, I I I don't know if I could say what the first one was, but the first one that mattered to me was the Horde tour. The Horde. The tour. Horde tour, which was, I believe, Blues Traveler was putting mm. it on. Blues Traveler. Wow. No, I'm not a blues traveler guy. Don't I'm get saying, me wrong. That's a very timely reference. I say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone uh, had that one album. But uh huh. Everyone had that one yeah, yeah, album yeah, yeah. that had runaround yeah, on it. Yeah, it yeah. was in everyone's yeah. house for like six yeah. years. Yeah, and now it's like leveling off the, yeah, the kitchen done, table. Yeah. <laughs> but uh <laughs> um but the horror tour, I mean, Beck played on that, uh Neil Young played on that. There there was a lot of like really 
Um, I'm forgetting a lot of like big names that played on it. But I was a kid. I was like 14 or 15 probably and just exposed to like a festival for the first time. And it's like, wow, this is almost not fun. <laughs> Can I tell you that Neil Young, when I have a couple too many drinks, mm-hmm. uh, my drunk Neil Young impersonation is horrendous and also very entertaining. It's not great. It's great. Uh, so let me, uh, let me give you a little topical question. Give me one sure. book album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching? Wow. Book, album, movie, or show, reading, listening to, or What watching. do I watch? That's a good question. Let me go with something that I watch. Because mm. um, I don't I don't watch anything new, but I'm trying to think. What do you, what do you re-watch? We were just talking about, it's funny you bring this, uh, we talked today about binge-watching television shows, yeah. about shows I've watched over and over again. Is that like a show you've watched a million times? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, the Wonder Years is one of those Wonder shows. Years. That's, that, I, that was one of my, yes. that's like, you know, stuffing shows where it's like, I can just turn it on and it's like, oh, everything's always, okay in the world. I always you know? hated the older brother. Wayne? Yeah, yeah he's a jerk. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, Wayne. Yeah. They oh. said that he played himself perfectly, though. That's <laughs> the way he was in real life, where it was like, wow, what a great gig that must have been. He's around still. I see him randomly, because I'm a wrestling nerd and he's like buddies with like a wrestling guy so no kidding it's a that's an off the yeah. interview discussion yeah. <laughs> uh, we are setting up the ultimate lineup for the real burnouts to play you are playing oh, uh, at Madison Square Garden you are opening for that three. dump yeah that, that old dump <laughs> they charge you $9,000 a ticket uh <laughs> You are playing. You are opening for three bands of your choice pick the bands in oh, your boy. ultimate lineup wow um I do, I said, I, you know, I was just saying I don't watch anything new or listen to anything new, but I love Tame Impala. Oh, I'm so um, glad you said that. It was yeah. on my list of questions to bring up with yeah. you because you wrote Psychedelic. Yeah. The record is so good. So good. Uh, really surprised, actually. And th- this actually, Terrible band name. <laughs> it's a horrendous yeah. band name. <laughs> this actually shows how disconnected yeah. I am from things because I was thinking that it was like, you know, what would be a good show to, like, you know, go to, like, a small club and see a band mm. play at. And I was like, oh, you know, let me look up Tame Impala. Oh, and it was like, oh, they're playing a 100,000-seat arena. Oh, and it was like, oh, I had no idea now. that they're they were. really over now. Yeah. I can't imagine. I couldn't believe that a band with a name that, out of that era, there was a very particular, uh, I call it, like, the, um, what am I, uh, the Chill Wave era. Mm-hmm. There was, like, all sorts of bands with dumb names like that. There was like Tame Impala and Neon Indian and, yeah. like, Blank fist punch, like yeah, just weird. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's any sort of dumb name you can slap together, and I was like, Tame Impala. Yeah, that terrible name. And I was like, Oh, this record is tight though. And then one of the <laughs> one of the few record. that lived yeah. up to that name. Like, this record's, this record's yeah. good though. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you Tame Impala. Oh, there's two more. Let's see here. Um, they don't have to be current. You can find if, oh, if you want to bring up any the annals of time. Yeah, from the annals of their past. Uh, <laughs> um, the monkeys. I'd say. Monkeys. I'd, love, I'd love to have them open. Monkeys I mean, they open for Jimi Hendrix. That's that would have been quite the venue right there. <laughs> oh, that, that's true. Actually, I'm saying I'm. That's, yeah. I but been... the the fans were screaming so loud that that Jimi Hendrix dropped off the tour because it was like they're young for the monkeys. But um, I wish that that would happen when we played. Like they were, yeah. they yell, their fans were yelling the entire time. It's like, we're done here. <laughs> and uh, what what else seems fun? Because I mean, you go to a show, you want it to be fun, right? Mm. Um. Not the band fun, because they're actually no. not fun at all. It's like, 
Funkadelic would be a good one. As a, as a I mean, I guess I'd say Beck again. Beck, I yeah. feel like I keep talking about Beck every two seconds, but I would go to a um, Beck Tave and Paula uh, real burnout show with like monkeys. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Who's the headliner on that show? Yeah. The monkeys. We, and we each go out and play for like ten minutes. We only do four <laughs> songs. You could do like four different stages yeah. and just go around <laughs> to the different parts. Um, and uh, and besides, of course, uh, the real burnouts. Besides uh, the monkeys. Besides your Mitsubishi Mirage. Give me one more thing that you, Paul Crowther, are passionate about. Ugh, that's a hard one. Mm. Earnest questions at the end. Always got to keep them honest. So. Um, I'm 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 passionate about art. Mm. Um, just for myself personally, it's like you know I'm not trained. I approach art the same way I approach music. Is that like yeah. I'm not I'm not trained to 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 do anything. Mm. I just enjoy. Creating things and having it be weird and interesting. Train, so. uh, training is overrated. Uh, training is far less useful I than just... I think that it limits you in some ways. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, it's like... I had, a, I, I had two drummers growing up. One is a friend of mine named Kenny, and he's a doctor now, so he's not going to feel bad when we're talking about it. And one was our buddy Jay who passed away. Kenny was a proper drummer. Uh-huh. He was trained by a by famous Utica drummer. And took lessons yeah, and that yeah. shit, right? Yeah. Uh but he had no feel. Like, yeah. it was all like a, I'm yeah. playing on time. Yeah. Here's my thing. Yeah. This is it. You want me to go faster? I can't. Yeah. This is it. This is all I can do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And then my other drummer, Jay, didn't really have, le- I don't know what his lesson sitting was like, but he was much more just like, I'm going to speed up because you're going faster. I'm gonna, and, and I think that sometimes you're better off just just going with what you go with. You know what I mean? And like, well, I, I, mean, I, I don't I, know. I learned how to play the drums. Mm. Um... To Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. The soundtrack. Yeah, classic. And I would just sit there with headphones on, and I would just play along to it. And mm-hmm. it was like, what I was doing was certainly not what was on the recording, but after listening to it enough, and it's like, you just, that's how I learned everything. It's it it just imitated. It. Well, it's like the, Mel- I always go back to the Malcolm Gladwell thing. I don't know if you know about Malcolm Gladwell. He has this mm-hmm. theory that if you do anything for 10,000 hours, you become a master of it, whether or not you've been trained or not. Yeah. Am I a master musician? No. But I probably played enough damn hours to right. know that I know enough about what I'm doing to right, be right. a musician, right? Right. Uh, Paul the band that is makes the, one of us. <laughs> Paul the band is the real burnouts. Realburnouts.com. Realburnouts.com. But we're also on uh, Facebook uh, and YouTube. We've got a brand new video out. By uh, the way, of bricks. I had a, I watched it before you came over here. I was going to talk about it. It's awesome. Really yeah. love the video. Thank love you. the song. Great stuff, man. Yeah. Uh, best of luck going forward. I hope Thank to see you, you soon. Thanks for having uh, me. I'm sorry it took so long to get you in here. Yeah, me too. Uh, life sucks, but life is good. Yeah. you listeners at home could see Heather's face as I pull the notes out of my history lessons folder. There's and so much yellow highlighted. It's so official. I really, I want to know who's paying for these highlighters. I am. It's all coming out of my so tuition. Yellow. <laughs> That's um, the problem. You gotta stop buying so many highlighters. Thank you again to 
Paul Crowler from uh, The Real Burnouts. It was a pleasure talking to him. Real pleasure. Great guy. Very exciting dude. Check him out, realburnouts.com. Um, while I'm giving out unsolicited free plugs to people, since yeah. apparently that's what we're doing now. Just come in and um, throw a piece of paper at us. Yeah, apparently that's all it takes. I got a lot of flack from GFOPs Mark Piersma and Beth and Marr because we shouted out um, we shouted out Derek Clark last week and uh, and somebody else, and they were mad that we didn't shout out the Adirondack Scenic Railroad for all their hard work for the Polar Express. They're jealous that we didn't shout them out. Should yeah, it sounds a lot like they parentheses is jealous. Um, well, we got we should shout them out. They do great work. They do great work, and uh, I don't know if uh, Mark uh, and Bethan and everyone out at the railroad gets enough credit for what they do for that Polar Express. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Unsolicited read. And I'm not making money for that one either, guys. I'm just no, putting myself... Like, you're all more negative as we go through the show. <laughs> well, history lessons are out, so I'm just calling and playing off you now. Yeah, so he's basically... We're going to just... We're going to sponge up all the negativity <laughs> because of the history all. lessons. <laughs> all right. So, are you guys ready? They're actually, I have to admit, these are better than normal this week. Okay? All right. So, wait. Does that mean you admit that they're normally not I mean, not better? all... Every, every week doesn't have great stories. Some every weeks week. I got to reach... <laughs> Although sometimes the reach weeks are better. I think that this is the case where there were some interesting stories. Right. Okay? Okay. On this day, November 29th, 1942, coffee joins the list of items rationed in the United States. Uh, despite record coffee production in Latin American countries, the growing demand for the bean for both military and civilian sources and the demand placed on shipping uh, required the limiting of its availability. Uh, I can't imagine how I would feel if I got, like, a phone call <laughs> or, like, an email. It's like, hey... Listen, uh, we're at war right now, so we're going to need you to cut back to, like, a cup of coffee a week. I'm like, <laughs> wait, wait, what? <laughs> what? Are you thinking, the modern American is not standing for this, I feel like. No, right? there's no chance. <laughs> um, rationing was generally employed for two reasons. One, to guarantee a fair distribution of resources and food stuff to all citizens, which sounds suspiciously like communism, socialism, whatever. Uh, and two, to give priority to military use for certain raw materials given the present emergency. Um, at first... This was actually voluntary. Like, you didn't have to do this. Uh, but as the war sort of kicked on, uh, gas actually became the first resource to be rationed. I probably should have seen if you guys could guess. You probably could have figured that yes. out. Yes. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, <laughs> okay, so check this out. Starting in 1942, 17 eastern states, car owners were restricted to blank gallons of gas a week. How many gallons of gas do you think they were restricted to in 1942? Ten. Ten? Uh, five. Three. Oh. <laughs> Three gallons of gas a week. They get me down the Genesee Street. and I feel like you'd think that... I don't know if you could live on three gallons of gas a week in this day and age. Could you? Uh, three gallons? It would entirely, I mean, it would depend on, like, you would have a tough time going back and forth to work. You would have to, if you built your life around it, you could do it. You would have to build your life around it. It'd be tough. Yeah. It'd be a rough one. Yeah, because they have so many more store. Everything was in neighborhoods at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, butter was also an item rationed. Oh uh, supplies, uh, supplies, along with other supplies reserved for military breakfasts, including coffee, sugar, and milk. Uh, altogether, about one-third of all food commonly consumed by civilians was rationed at one time or another. Uh, there was indeed a black market for all this, which obviously like, there always is. Uh, but this is kind of crazy. So not everything came off the rationing list at the same time. Like coffee came off in 1943, but sugar wasn't off until June of 1947. So for like four years, you're just out of luck. <laughs> just, just piss poor out of luck. All right. On this day, November 28th, 1962, Jon Stewart, the host of Comedy Central's The Daily Show, uh, 
the one of the original fake news programs, uh, was born in New York City. Uh, his reverent take on national and world events became a huge hit with audiences and led many viewers to cite The Daily Show as their primary source of news at the time. I guess I loved The Daily Show when it came out. It was like a really big deal. and uh, It was the first thing that got me interested in the news, actually. And that's true. And, that's kind of, <laughs> and that was sort of the one line out of here that I thought was important was like the... Leading viewers to cite The Daily Show as their primary source of news. They're like, but it was a sort of period of time. But it was something that was, like, relatable. He made it so you could kind of understand it almost. I don't know how to say it. But in a way that, like, the he younger did. generation would listen to him. Yeah, and I think that that's probably why there's so much love for him still even now. Like, people still, like, hold him in high regard. He's, like, the prototype for a lot of these different people now. Although, the good and bad prototype, right? Like, Depending. people get their news from almost... Like, now, in general, just get news from wherever they want now. Like, he was the first, like, if you're being selective and you're getting your news from Comedy Central, do you know what I mean? Like, well, you're not, he was never giving news. He, not initially, well, but it sort of became that as, you don't think it felt like he, it became news as time the, went on? the number one thing that he would always went out of the way to say mm-hmm. is, I'm not the news. But this he was covering current events that covering were big, current events. and then people it were... Was, it was an alternative way to get people interested in current events mm-hmm. besides just showing them the news. Mm-hmm. It got to a point where the news is, you know, boring, people don't want to take it in, so at least this will get your interest. So you know the names of some of these people, at least the basis of the situation, and try to light that fuse to make people go look further for themselves and be more and news conscious was one, and news was one sided, one sided, where he was like debating everything, and you didn't mm. see that either. Like you know. that's true. Uh, so January ninety nine, that's when he takes over hosting duties of the Daily Show from Mm-mm. Craig Kilborn. Craig Kilborn, that's right. Good name, Paul. Daily Show typically opened with a monologue about today's news stories and also had fake correspondents, including Steve Carell from 1999-2004 and Stephen Colbert, who you know from being Stephen Colbert. Uh, won multiple Emmys, and he actually produced a best-selling history book called America, A Citizen's Guide to Democracy in Action, which I bought for my sister in Christmas it. that year. Let me ask you this question. Do you still miss Jon Stewart? Like, do you I miss, do. You still do? Yeah. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah, for sure. I like him just fine, but I feel like every time I see him on something now, I feel like he's missing a step a little bit. He's been off TV for, I don't know, I feel like he's not... He probably feels like he's missing a step when he comes out. I don't think he wants to do, like, this show again. I think people want him to come back and do, like, The Daily Show again, and I don't think he wants to do that. No, if I had that kind of money, I would never come back and do an everyday show. (laughs) He did it for a while. No chance, you got your money. Go enjoy your family, you've done enough. Hmm. All right, uh, on this day, this is probably the, my least favorite one of all of these, although I think it is kind of interesting, but it's the least uh, conversationally friendly, so sorry about this. November 30th, 1965, on this day, 32-year-old lawyer Ralph Nader pub- uh, published the muckraking book Unsafe at Any Speed. Uh, do you guys ever heard about this book before? I didn't really know much about this, so this was kind of new to me. I'm very rare that I don't know something about this before I lean in. Uh, became uh, a bestseller right away and prompted the passage of the National Traffic and Motor Vehicle Safety Act of 1966. Uh, Seatbelt laws in 49 states and a number of other road safety initiatives. Uh, I didn't know anything, like, about Ralph Nader besides the fact that he was, like, a third-party candidate. So this was all kind of shocking to me. Yeah, like, late in his life, Ralph Nader had a very, very, very long career. Mm. Um, But, yeah, that was when I first heard of him was when he was running with... Who did he run with? Uh, what election was he in? He, uh, 2000 election. He, yeah, that's yeah, what it was. Yeah. Uh, so he implied in his book that technology had existed that would make cars safer, uh, but automakers had little incentive to use it. 
the book popularized many harsh truths about cars and car companies uh, that auto safety advocates had known for some time. Um, so check this out. In 19, 1956, uh, if you wanted to get a... <laughs> this is wild now. If you wanted to get a seatbelt and a padded dashboard for your car, you had to pay $27 extra. You had to pay for it. How many percentage of people do you think actually paid for it? Less than 27 Like 15%. 2%. 2% of people paid the extra 27 um, <laughs> I can't even imagine that now. Uh, unsafe at any speed mobilized a mass movement in which ordinary consumers banded together to demand safer cars and better laws. Today, safety belts, airbags, anti-lock brakes, and other innovations are standard features in almost every new car. Uh, and Nader went on to advocate for a number of consumer causes and ran for president four times. So this was actually, this was a history lesson for me. That's the most me. I've ever learned about, like, I, I, know. I never knew that much about him. See, you're, in, you're in the world with me right thank now. Thank you. Thank See? you for that today. This Kev feels so much smarter than us right now. He knew all about yeah, this. Oh, a, what, everything. I, Kevin's like Okay, walking. fine. I don't, I don't know anything about <laughs> any of the next smart. stuff. No, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. I don't know Kevin's anything. Like, actually. I don't actually. I'm going to go back to the meathead thing. I'm sorry. I got to help. I don't know. I'm the bad guy. Hey, say hello to our bad guy. Well, actually. Uh, all right, so on this day, uh, November 30th, 1974... Elton John's great... Never heard of him. Never heard of him. <laughs> Never freaking heard of him. Uh, began a 10-week run atop the Billboard 200 with his greatest hits album, selling more than 24 million copies worldwide. Do you guys know Elton John's real name? Anybody? Want to take a shot? I didn't know either. Nope. John. Reginald Dwight. Of course. Reginald... You knew it, Dw- didn't you, Kevin? <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. No way. No chance. Uh... He toured. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, he initially toured with a band called Bluesology, uh, but his path towards stardom didn't begin until the 1960s. In the late 1960s, uh, 1969, he changed his name to Elton John. Uh, his debut album failed to catch on, but his follow-up album, self-titled Elton John, was a breakthrough smash hit thanks to the track "Your Song," his first top 20 hit. Over the next four years, he put out six albums which is wild and they're all like famous albums tumbleweed connection madman across the water honky chateau don't shoot me i'm only a piano player goodbye yellow brick road and caribou 14 top 40 songs 10 of which were included on his greatest hits album he has two other greatest hits albums that came out since then that's how you know you're top of your <laughs> game when you're like oh i made a greatest hits album in 74 and then just kept making hits for like 30 more years sorry about that i just needed more money um yeah, Elton John. Is Elton John underrated? Probably a little bit. A little bit, right? He's not yeah. super around much anymore. Right? Like for again, we just talked about he had like he doesn't need to be. He's had three album greatest hits albums worth of song, but I don't I hear a lot more about Billy Joel than I hear about Elton John these days, <laughs> let's put it that way. And neither of them. Billy Joel figured. doesn't have Elton John's money and he still needs you to hear about him because <laughs> Billy Joel needs your money. <laughs> he can't retire and just hang out, so Speaking of people who need your money. On this day, November 27th, 2005, Aerosmith and 50 Cent headlined a $10 million bar mitzvah. I read this story today, and I thought it was the wildest thing I ever read. Are you ready for this? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So in 2005, uh, this gentleman, his name was David Brooks. He was the CEO of DBH Industries, a Long Island company that manufactured body armor for the U.S. military, okay? He spent $10 million celebrating his daughter's coming-of-age uh, festival, okay? 
the, the, there's a soprano saxophone player at the venue, this is the first thing people noticed, who looked suspiciously like Kenny G and turned out to be, in fact, actually Kenny G. Uh, the concert was held at the Rainbow Room in New York and also featured Aerosmith, 50 Cent, Don Henley, Stevie Nicks, and Tom Petty. <laughs> um, everyone who came to the event got a $10,000 personal gift bag featuring electronics, digital cameras, uh, which 50 Cent's bodyguards reportedly tried and failed to stop guests from using to take pictures of him because he thought that it would ruin his credibility to see him getting uh, performing at a bar mitzvah. So, 2005, everybody. I can't even comprehend that. <laughs> yeah, $10 million on this bar mitzvah. Uh, I wonder what graduation was like. Well, funny story. Oh. <laughs> so, two years after this event, uh, Brooks... Uh, was served with a 71-page federal indictment featuring charges of insider trading, tax evasion, and raiding his company's coffers for personal gain, including for the $10 million he used to pay for the festival. So, uh, oh. yeah, good story. <laughs> I, just, I thought that was the wildest story. It's a strange lineup. Yeah, who's I going like, to see that Tom I Petty know. 50 Cent? What kid wants that lineup? Stevie Nicks, Tom Petty Stevie 50 Nicks. Cent, and Aerosmith. I'd go see it because I'm a freak. Um, all right. It's true. It's true. So uh, I saw an interesting thing today that got me thinking. We're talking about television for a minute. We're going to get away from some of this other stuff. Uh, there was an article today talking about how... Uh, you guys, did you watch the show Frasier growing up? Some episodes of Some, it. Did you watch Frasier growing up? My parents liked no, it. No, I really liked Frasier. My dad liked it, I, I didn't, remember. I didn't love it either. It was like a little bit... It was always on my grandma's house. Grandma's house. Oh. Apparently, Frasier has featured a huge, uh, a huge renaissance on like Netflix because of streaming, right? Uh, it's like got a secondary life as a streaming show, which is weird to me because I can't imagine like wanting to sit down and watch like six seasons of Frasier, right? Mm -hmm. But apparently people find it to be very relaxing. That's one of the things about it. Like, the show itself is very relaxing to watch. It has relaxing beats. It's a good background show. And it got me thinking about shows that are, like, great shows to stream and watch, like, over and over again. So, Heather, I'm going to start with you. Are there any particular shows that you feel like you've watched a million times, like comfort shows that you feel like you watch over and over again? Um, no, I'm not going to tell people because they'll laugh at me. No, 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 you better tell us now. Come on. I, I watch 90210, mm. like, over and no. over again. I don't know why, but I will nice. watch that, and, and I'll watch Dawson's Creek. But don't even, don't hold it against oh, me. Oh, listen, yeah. I've seen almost every episode of One I can Day watch, so. okay. <laughs> you're not going to, you're not going to embarrass me. 90210 is not embarrassing. That's my guilty pleasure. Yeah, but 90210 was a, was a cultural, like, touchstone. That was a huge show. That's not, like, embarrassing. But, like, I, I put it on, and then, like, just up around the house. And then, you know. That's fair. Kev, what about you? What are any touchstone television shows that um, you sort of... I feel like every time I pick up to go back now to just throw something on, it always defaults to the office. Yeah. All the time. Mm -hmm. Just because it's something that can sort of exist in the background. Mm -hmm. um, there's some shows that I like to watch over and over, but I find myself... If I try to do that with something like Always Sunny in Philadelphia, I'll end up paying a little bit too much attention mm -hmm. and laughing. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't necessarily yeah. work for like a doing around, you know what I mean, putting on mm. his background. Yo, There's a lot of shows like that, though. Can I, can I take a sidebar on It's Always Sunny for a second? Sure. Have you heard the news about It's Always Sunny? So they're delaying the 13th season. Right. Because they think that they, yeah. That they might do the series without, the show without Dennis. Mm. Because Dennis has a show on NBC with Pat Oswald now. Mm. I'll be really sad if they do the season of that show without the full cast, I'm just going to say. I'm yeah. sure it'll still be funny. 
But Always Sunny was on my list. I came up with a list of a couple of the obvious ones that I feel like we watch all the time together. Uh, Parks and Recreation, Friends, The Office, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, I do The Twilight Zone, but I think that's more me than most people. I threw a couple out there. What about Cheers? You ever do Cheers? I would watch that. Yo. I haven't watched that in a long time, but I would totally watch that. Cheers, I'm gonna. Just, I'm not spoiling this for anybody. Cheers holds up really well. Like mm-hmm. Cheers is still really well written and really, really funny and yeah. really great background television. Like even today. They should bring Night Court back too. Yo, Night Court. I would watch Night Court. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great yeah. un- underrated theme song. <laughs> yeah, go back to my. Go back to my blog. Go back to my blog from 2012 where I did uh, best TV theme songs. Night Court's on there for sure. <laughs> for sure. Uh, Archer, which I'm a big fan of. I don't know True. if people like Archer like as much Archer as I do. Archer. Archer's a good one. It's a cartoon. You gotta be into, like, cartoons. No. Bob's no, Burgers. Yeah, but it's you might be. If you like Arrested Development, you'll mm. like Archer. It's, it's animated. Don't call it a cartoon. I feel like if you call... Some I, things, I if you call them a cartoon, it sends the wrong idea. It's really? animated, yeah, mm. but cartoon means something different than animated does. I guess. That's a good point. I never thought yeah. about it like no, that. No, cartoon... Cartoon like tends to... Apply, especially Heather's... She's a mother, so her kid watches cartoon cartoons. Yeah, put that on there. So, That's like, fair. a cartoon is always, like, some Nick Jr. <laughs> animated is, like, you know, an art form. All right. I think. <laughs> All right. It's true. It's true. And it's, a good, it's a good point, actually, because I guess, sure, like, a cartoon... Is like a subset of anime. Like, you wouldn't I call like Bugs Bunny when you say yeah, you cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first thing I think of is Bugs Bunny. Like I guess you wouldn't call like a Pixar movie a cartoon, right? It's animation, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. and even The Simpsons is like an animated television show. Mm-hmm. Not, yeah. yeah. I guess cartoons like eight minutes long. Yeah, right? like and when I think of cartoon, yeah, a good point. I think of like yeah, yeah. Okay, that's no, good. That's yeah. fair. Okay, good. <laughs> All right, uh, I got some weird news stories for you guys. You ready for this? Yes. This one may make some of our listeners around here angry. This is uh, this one's been making the rounds. Um, what do you guys think of Olive Garden? I used to love Olive Garden. I've love... not been there in like probably fifteen years. <laughs> I have a gift been... card that's just rotting away in my. Okay, I have thoughts on the Olive Garden? Uh, I I don't really have any thoughts on the Olive Garden. It's not for me. I it's fine. I mean, I'd eat there. Uh, yeah. I probably had... if somebody else was making me go. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you guys. I quick, choose. I'm gonna guys tell you a romantic story oh. about a couple named Justin and Jordan. Okay, uh, they grew up in Alabama, in Arkansas. Pardon me, and they loved the Olive Garden. In 2005, not long after they got married, they nabbed one of the coveted never-ending pasta passes. You know what that is? Yeah. It was a deal they had where you could. Uh, yeah. It was a hundred dollars, and you could just get unlimited pasta, soup, and salad, and breadsticks for like however long you want, for like a year, like Netflix for pasta. Right? Um, And so they got married, and they had a child. Their last name is Garton, G-A-R-T-O-N. And you know for a fact that their daughter is now named Olivia Garton. What are your thoughts on naming your child after your favorite chain restaurant? Did they say they named her after that? They claim that it's a happy coincidence. Mm. Although, the evidence piles up pretty heavily. Um, I'm going to say directly, these people are cowards. Um, if yeah. you're going to do it, go. Go. If you're if it's going to be Olivia Garten, just go Olive. Name your child Olive. Put all your chips in the middle of the table. Put all your breadsticks in the basket. Yeah, your unlimited soup and breadsticks. And just name that child. 
No more half measures. <laughs> what restaurant would you want to name your child after? Any one of them? Uh, none. Oh, uh, yeah, probably probably not. I mean, <laughs> Bauhaus Familaro. What's good? <laughs> you just pick somebody's like name, like I guess a Wendy. Wendy <laughs> or Wendy. I think the Utica equivalent Burger. the Utica equivalent is is if there's somebody named like Bluth, they can name their kid Ocean. Like Ocean Bluth. That can be the kid, do. right? Can be like Bella that's Regina. Bella Regina. There's probably a, there's definitely somebody you to go named <laughs> Bella Regina. That's oh, there's a, no question. There's, there is almost no question at all uh, that that's a real thing. Um, I, we're flying through this episode this week. We got lots of stuff we did. All right, you guys ready for one more story? I think one more is what we're good with. You ready? One more? Yeah, sure. One more story. Okay, I'm gonna give you guys a name. Have you ever heard of the name Mad Mike Hughes? I must not know anybody. Well, you shouldn't know Mad Mike. No okay. one should know Mad Mike Hughes. Okay. Nobody. Uh, so even though such legendary thinkers and enlightened uh, individuals like Aristotle and Magellan, Neil deGrasse Tyson, John Glenn, all these folks, they think the world is you know, round and not flat. Oh, rocket man. Yeah. <laughs> this is not good enough for our pal Mad Mike Hughes, limousine driver and self-proclaimed fat, flat earther, fat earther, flat earther, who announced uh, this week that sadly he had to delay his plan to launch himself 1,800 <laughs> feet high in a rocket of his own making. What? <laughs> um, <laughs> the launch, which he had billed as a critical first step toward ultimately photographing our disc world from space. Same. Had been scheduled <laughs> for last Saturday before the Bureau of Land Management got wind of his plan and barred him from using public land. So thanks a lot, Bureau of Land Management, for ruining... There. <laughs> this guy would have won a Darwin <laughs> Award and you ruined this for me. I guess it's not. The Bureau of Land Management is a front for uh, the deep state. <laughs> oh, the deep state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they, because they knew if he launched that rocket, he would have finally proved once and for all what nobody could prove and that the Earth is a disc. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't read this part. Also, the rocket launcher he had built out of his used motorhome, quote, broke down in the driveway, quote, on Wednesday, <laughs> according to you. My question you is asshole. how many how many how many years away are we from uh, a friend? <laughs> Launching. Oh, dude, I um. I live I, in the wrong town. Dude, I, city. I don't. I'm just I, telling you, you're gonna see that RV strapped to balloons. Oh, <laughs> He's gonna be like the guy from Up. Oh, Justin, don't do it, buddy. Oh, so um, we didn't get to uh the war on dog puns. So I'll say, uh, no, this is a real story. Uh, Activision is suing. Uh, a company called Call of Duty, D-O-O-D-D-E-E, because they're a dog cleaner. <laughs> yes, they should. <laughs> yeah. And uh, also, uh, the Wu-Tang Clan is suing somebody as well for the same thing. Uh, there's a dog walking service named after the Wu-Tang Clan, and the Wu-Tang Clan are not having it. Uh, the Wu-Tang Clan, that's what it is. They are suing for copyright infringement over the Wu-Tang Clan. Are they using the W? I didn't see if they were using the W. Yeah, I guess you should, you can't use the W. No, you definitely have, no, you can't use the <laughs> You're W. You're not going to win those lawsuits. So, we didn't get to that. Um, too bad. That's it. What else? Any other good stuff? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, one thing. Didn't I cut any of the history lessons, though, I noticed. No, I didn't. Oh, yeah, uh, someone invented a smartphone addiction device. It's basically just a black... It's a smartphone. It's a black wood in the sh- piece of wood in the shape of a phone with, like, six like abacus circles on the bottom where your fingers would be if you were scrolling so you can just 
It's like a fidget spinner like for people who are addicted cube. to their phones. It's fidget cubes. But it's like actually, shape. I, I kind of get it. <laughs> Not for me. I don't feel as addicted, but people are going to need that sooner than later. Yeah, you work with the kids, too. The kids are sick. The kids are very sick. Digital sickness. All right. Uh, the time has come, folks. Thank you for another wonderful episode of the podcast. Heather, you're the best. Kevin, couldn't do it without you. Follow Heather on Twitter at HeatherWaz1. <laughs> follow Kevin underscore Kevin Sullivan. Follow me at SF Doomore. Just follow the show at underscore Uticast. Uh, we are also on Uticast.com, Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud, Twitter, and of course, go to MadeInUtica.com, Uticast.com for all current and back episodes. Uh, keep it tight. Sayonara, humanoids. Woodstock lives. And uh, yeah, I don't know how many shopping days till Christmas, but less than 30, right? We're getting there. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Are you selling something for Christmas? Yeah. No. Like, <laughs> sell anything. You got like goods for sale. I, see, I'll find some goods for you sale. You should start selling goods. Goods. Yeah. You I need some like goods. Goods. Yeah. goods.